This is Smith's Falls On. Thank you for downloading the podcast. On Smith's Falls On, we have conversations with people important to the town of Smith's Falls. Some people new, some people old, some people you may know, some people may be new to you. We're all about getting to know each other here on On. And on this episode, I get the chance to get to know Nathan Smith a little bit better. Nathan is a fiddle player, a multi-instrumentalist, a songwriter, a performer, a singer, and he also is a teacher. He teaches at Smith Falls Music here in the Arts Hub, so if you need some fiddle lessons, come on down and you can get set up with Nathan. Nathan and I had a great talk. I always have fun talking music with Nathan. Nathan is a fairly new resident to Smith Falls. He moved here just this year, right in the middle of COVID. So he's it, the town is still revealing itself to him. So very interesting to catch up with him on his on his uh, impressions of the town so far, and also the journey that brought him here. So without very much further ado, let's get to our conversation with Mister Nathan Smith. But first, a word from our sponsors. Water and Rail Clothing, folks. We sell them here at the Arts Hub. We just got new hoodies in stock, the 2021 models. The heat wave is over, folks. We're looking forward to that nice fall weather where you get to cozy up in a hoodie. You must have seen them around town. Water and Rail, train tracks and waves. Describes our town in a nutshell pretty well, I think. Water and Rail. We've got sunglasses. We've got hoodies. Hoodies are the big one. You got to get yours. You just got to get it today. Come on down to the Arts Hub, mention the podcast, you'll get 10% off. Water and rail. And sponsor number two is Northwood Music. Northwood Music is an independent Canadian record label featuring some local acts from Smith Falls. That's right. Amber McLean, singer-songwriter, and Madden Grace, who just released her first single via the label. Northwood Music specializes in featuring and showcasing up-and-coming Canadian talent. Indie, singer-songwriter, folky kind of vibes. Check it out at northwoodmusic.ca and find your new favorite artist. They got t-shirts for sale there. You can find links to all their music. You can even buy music if that's something you still do. Northwood Music. Great music has no rules. All right, that's it for Sponsor Talk, folks. Now on to my conversation with Mr. Nathan Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. We're on. We're on. All yeah. right. I think we're on. You're, you sound a little loud. Hold on. Oh, Keep... sorry. Okay. I, I... No, no, don't quiet you. Oh, okay. I, I have a knob I can turn down. That makes sense. This is a studio after all. That should be better. Okay. There we go. Cool. Just want to make sure you're not peeking out or anything. This sort of, uh, yeah, the, the, the radio voice is not... Yeah. Something I'm very accustomed to. This is def- This is my first time being on a podcast. This is very exciting. Well, I'm glad I'm your first. Wow, I'm, I'm me honored. too. Yeah. <laughs> so you rode your bike here? I rode my bike here, yeah, for sure. I rode my bike here, You ride yeah. your bike a lot of places, don't you? That's true. Yeah. I always I, see you on that bike. It's a nice bike. It's a great bike. Um, yeah, I got, that, I got that bike from a, a place in Toronto called Curbside Cycle that just deals pretty much exclusively in like commuter bikes right? and like this philosophy of bicycles as vehicles, Mm -hmm. you know, which is something that, uh, that I really love. I really agree with. I mean, when I lived in Toronto, I rode my bike almost exclusively. Well, they are vehicles, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a fast way to get places. You don't have to worry too much about parking. Um, now that there's a little bit more bike parking here in Smith's Falls, downtown that's that's pretty good 
Yeah. Do you like to park your bike like more like parallel or on an angle? Oh, I see what you're, I see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that debate is, is, is unfortunately like is before my time. I'm just so, I'm so new to Smith Falls. Yeah. You're just hearing Crazy. the echoes of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're so new to Smith Falls that a lot of people don't know who you are. So we should probably at the very least say your name, give, sure. you, give you a little intro. So I'll let you do that because okay. frankly, you know a lot more about you than I even know about you. I know some stuff. More even than you. You know even more about yourself than I do. Yeah, I'm convinced of it. Yeah, I almost know too much. Um, yeah, so I'm, my name's Nathan Smith, and uh, I'm originally from North Bay, Ontario. Okay. And um, I like that place. It's a good place. It's a good place to be from. My parents still live there. Uh, I get back there quite a lot. I mean, not so much in the last couple of years, obviously. But um, yeah, I go back and visit them a ton as much as I can, just partly because I love my parents, but also because it's a really beautiful place. Um, and I started playing music when I was a little kid, like six years old. I, I started playing violin. Yeah. Started taking lessons. Your parents play? Uh, my mom and dad are both amateur musicians, mm -hmm. um, but they both really love to play music. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I remember my mom at the end of the day, like after all of us went to bed, I could always hear her like playing piano, yeah. like pretty much every day she would yeah. play. Um, I find it's usually the, the, the parents who play, who start their kids that early. For sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I started because I wanted to. Right. When I was, when I was like three years old, we lived up in this, um, we lived up in this train town called Hornpain. I've been there. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I went through on the train. Oh, yeah, of course. Great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the people who lived across the road from us were this older couple, and and he played the fiddle, and my mom would go over with me and like mm -hmm. accompany fiddle tunes with him on the on the piano. What else are you gonna do in Hornpain? That's it. Play yeah. the fiddle for yeah. sure. I mean that and like you know fish and hunt and and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So I don't remember, like, I don't have super visit, vivid memories of what, like, that music sounded like or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But that was the first time I saw someone playing an instrument that wasn't what my parents played, you know? Um, so it obviously had some kind of profound effect on me. Yeah. Um, and I, one thing I do actually remember is he had these little decorative violins on the wall. Yep. You know, just like a, a little wall hanging. And I was really small, of course. And so I thought like they were real violins. Yeah. And I asked if I could could play it, you know, and learn learn to play it. Um so that was probably the the first time I asked to uh to learn to play. And then yeah, a couple of years later actually got to start. That's great. Yeah. Did you do you feel like you because you started fiddling so young that you have a, a pretty big edge over people who maybe started in their teens or as an adult? I don't know about that. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. It just it it helps that I've been playing for a really long time. It helps that I went through um, the quote unquote like being bad at the instrument, yeah. you know, when I was too young, basically to remember it, or at least when I was at an age where you're pretty much bad at everything, yeah. you know, and so it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, so 
if there's an edge to be had, I think that's that's probably part of it. Right. Just like getting in to playing when you're not so self-conscious like you are you've learned to be as an adult you know yeah my four-year-old started on the violin oh yeah she can't do much but she thinks she's amazing sweet yeah and i'm not going to tell her any different no of course not because she she will be in time that's right and she's i mean she's still amazing but she can't play the violin that well well i mean it's all about uh, it's all about context you know sometimes i feel like i can't play the violin that well right (laughs) so uh, yeah, but it's, I don't know, I've I've had to kind of rediscover as an adult, like, this kind of pathway to um, discovery of music and discovery of the instrument. And, like, I don't know, I think it's something that every adult goes through, especially if they're, if they've taken up something, like, very focused and very serious and that's, like, skill development uh, all the time mm-hmm. is just this kind of, like, rediscovering of an... Um, unself-conscious sort of childlike approach to to playing Mm. like making it fun again in a way and exciting just kind of figuring out what you want to do where you want to go i remember that on guitar when i started on guitar you know i just figure out little ditties here and there and Mm -hmm. i wasn't worrying about getting them you know the exact voicing right i just i just had fun sure you know Maybe I'd only learn half the song and then move on to another half song because I got bored, but sure, had a lot of fun. And I mean, you're allowed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I, the older I got, the the more I would beat myself up for my mistakes. Yeah, sure. And try and aim for perfection. Yeah, exactly. Now, you play more than fiddle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I play guitar and I play mandolin. Um, I wouldn't describe myself as like excellent at either of those yeah but you can Um, get by but i can get by yeah Yeah. i can get by okay and um i also play viola uh that's what i went to university for was um was studying viola like classical viola Mm -hmm. performance so what's the for our listeners who Mm -hmm. may not even know what a viola is what's the difference between a violin and a viola okay so uh a viola you know if you saw someone playing the viola like the untrained eye might not even recognize it as a different instrument. I mean, it's um, it's held the same way, you know, played the same way. Yeah. It's just a little bit bigger and a little bit lower. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Is it the same amount of strings? It's four strings. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, if you took, um, if you, t- like note-wise, if you took the highest string on the fiddle, mm-hmm. the E string, and you got rid of that, yeah. and then you put, a lower string beside where the lowest string is, mm-hmm. like a C string, that's the viola. Right. Note-wise. So it's it's basically the guy in between a cello and a violin. Yeah, exactly. But it's like a full octave above above the cello. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's this like inner this inner voice, you know? Um not very often featured as like the solo instrument in the orchestra. More more of a supporting role. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The team player. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really love. You know, that's that's something I came to really appreciate about playing the viola was I kind of developed this this love of like the the inner line and like yeah. you know the uh the kind of hidden harmony but that like really ties everything together. Yeah, I can see that. I uh 
I went through a similar journey myself, I think, on the drums. Oh, yeah? Because when I started playing drums, I was just, I wanted to be going crazy all the time. Yeah. With, like, my million-piece drum kit. It's like I was playing a solo the whole time. Right. You know? Um, but the more I played, the more I just wanted to kind of groove and sit sit in the pocket and, yeah. be, and be tight. Yeah. And just, just be there for the song, you know? Just truck it along. Yeah, absolutely. And, um... Yeah, the, the this focus on groove is something that I have, like, as an adult, really come around to as well. I think that's I think it's probably a maturity thing, you know, not needing to be always like the center of attention, but just wanting the ensemble to really yeah. feel as good as possible, even if it's simple. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, um, I started playing pretty regularly for dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, for a a group in Toronto called Ballfolk Toronto that uh, that does like French social dancing, like okay. from France. Yeah. Um. So all these kind of old dances from villages around France that uh, have kind of become this one, uh, this one sort of sort of modern folk tradition called Ballfolk. And uh, yeah, it's like some sim- very simple dances, some a little bit more complicated, but um. You know, nothing so complicated necessarily that it needs to be like called like a square dance would. Yeah. Um, but just playing for dancing as a fiddle player, you know, you play, I, I grew up playing all these fiddle tunes that really are for dancing. You know, all pretty much all fiddle music is is really dance music. Yeah, and, you, get um, a, you get a jig going and you try and stop the kids. That's it. They just want to bounce. For sure, for sure. But playing these tunes like specifically while people danced and you know trying to create a groove that's easy to follow um and also has kind of enough like syncopation in it um like off beats to to get people excited yeah you know that's that's really fun yeah um and so yeah an emphasis emphasis on simplicity and like a deep groove was uh that really kind of helped me see like the paramount importance of that Playing heavy music, I did some similar stuff too. We have these things called banana riffs. Tell me more. Well, you know, your show, I'm not sure whether it was you saying it or one of your bandmates. Okay. Um, But you're talking about how like, kind of like if you've heard a jig, you've heard all the jigs. Right. You know? Because they all follow the same basic pattern. Yeah, right. Particularly in the rhythm. Mm. So, I mean, you can create all sorts of different melodies that that sort of follow the same family of melodies in a certain rhythm, and it's new and different, but the, yeah. at the same time, the same. Totally. Um, so there's like punk rock and hardcore riffs that that's that sound like that too. Okay. And the pattern is uh, it's like Nana Banana. Nana Banana. Yeah, like Nana Banana 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 Banana. It's just that that oh, gets okay. you going. What makes you want to mosh? Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah. But you can, I mean, you can take the chords wherever you want. Yeah, but right. That da 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 pattern. That's the, uh, keeps going. That's, that's like the jig of punk rock. Okay, sweet. My dog's back at you. Yeah, no kidding. My dog really likes you. Oh, that's, Mishka. That's so nice. Mishka, come over here. Come here. Come here. Come here. such a good dog. She is good, but she has a big wet beard. Yeah. Pretty damp. Lie down. Right now. Lie down. Lie down. Um, so, um, we've heard about instruments, but, and we've heard where you started yeah. and I know where you wound up 
Yeah. But I don't know I don't know about all the in between. You grew totally. up in North Bay. I grew up in North Bay. Yeah. So I started playing like Suzuki violin. That was yeah. that was kind of how I started and um had like I took a couple years of lessons doing that and was in like a small like junior chamber orchestra. Um and I kind of reached this point that most kids get to where they maybe like don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my parents really didn't want me to quit. So they found me a, they found me a fiddle teacher, uh, someone in the area. And uh, I, took, I took a few lessons with him. And then um, I think he was going away. He was pretty young. I think he might have been going away to university. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so I needed to find a new one. And I was, uh, I was playing on the, uh, like a telethon in North Bay. Okay. And I saw this guy, another like pretty young, young guy playing, uh, fiddle tunes. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I went up to him and like, I asked him for his autograph. Um, his name was Chad Wolf and he became my, my fiddle teacher for the next like number of years. Cool. Yeah. He is such a, just like a kind and generous teacher. Um, I learned a lot from him, but also I got a lot of opportunities through him. His recitals were always in public, you know, like in mm-hmm. a park somewhere, or right. in an old folks home or in a supermarket or in the mall or yeah. Like I was always kind of, even from pretty young, I got to just perform in public. Um, and then later on, you know, we, we played gigs together, played at like fall fairs and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, so it was pretty awesome. And then as a teenager also, I was, I was teaching fiddle in his studio. So cool. I've been teaching, yeah, since, since I was a teenager. And then eventually I ended up going back to my original violin teacher uh, to study classical violin again. And it was really great to have, to kind of have both, mm-hmm. you know, um, fiddle was just, I don't know, it was, just, it was a way that I could perform in all kinds of different venues, you know, and, and perform with all kinds of different people. And then I was getting this technical training from, from my teacher and playing with his like high school age orchestra and playing with the North Bay orchestra and playing in a string quartet with my teacher. And so, yeah, it was, it was great to just be doing both. Um, I went away to school and studied classical music and, um, well, actually before that, I, sorry, <laughs> before that, I, I was playing fiddle tunes at a farmer's market one time and a guy that I recognized, um, as a, a teacher at my high school, he came up to me and he said, oh, this is great fiddle playing. You ever, you ever play bluegrass? And I said, uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> What, what does that mean? He said, well, you should come to our band practice and find out. <laughs> Turns out uh, fiddle players are in, in high demand in, in the bluegrass, yeah. bluegrass circles. Definitely. Um, so I, I joined his band. Uh, we had a, a bluegrass band, um, mostly of, of people who were quite a bit older than me. Uh, they're called River Blue, and that's where I learned to play bluegrass and improvise in that style. And, and that's where I learned to sing. How hard did you find the transition um, from like Celtic fiddling to bluegrass? To me, they sound almost the same, but I'm 
Yeah. Not the expert. There are some pretty um there are some pretty profound differences that are kind of hard to explain if um you know, if you haven't like listened a lot to it. I mean, so a lot of, like Celtic styles have this kind of like bounciness to them yeah. and there's this like kind of swingy lilty quality okay and bluegrass music is kind of bluegrass and country music are kind of you know like driving a little bit and the sound is very kind of constant Mm. and you almost like you almost do this kind of like self-compression in a way where you kind of have this constant sound with your with your bow um i tell my i tell my students that the sensation is like you're spreading peanut butter across your strings (laughs) You know, so it's just like the idea that like as you spread peanut butter on bread, you want to kind of create this even yeah. like no bumps in the yeah, sound, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas like, you know, Canadian and Celtic styles are are much more bumpy. Right. You know, crunchy peanut butter. Crunchy peanut butter versus <laughs> yeah. smooth. Versus Love smooth. It. Kind Love of. It. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's not, it's not a, a, a complete metaphor, but that's, no, that's a, something a, I say. It's a conceptual exactly. thing. It's, it's not, it's not a perfect scientific analogy. Yeah. Yet something that makes sense that makes sense to me and maybe yeah. maybe no one else. Um and so but I at the same time I, I didn't really like dig dig into bluegrass until like a long time later. Really, I went through a bunch of different bands, um and I even like I even toured around with, with some bands, but it wasn't until you know, eventually I moved to Toronto and met Rob, mm-hmm. you know, and the rest of the guys um, who became the Barrel Boys. Yeah. And that was when things started to kind of shift for me, just because now all of a sudden we were starting this band and all of us knew a little bit about bluegrass and kind of were coming at it from our own mm-hmm. different angles and had a bunch of other interests, but we're kind of converging on this bluegrass idea yeah and so we had to like come up with repertoire and we had to dig into the music a little bit and we were showing each other things and it all i don't know i i just work really well when i feel like i'm in a a good team Mm -hmm. you know like i want to feel like i don't know we're in we're in something together we're discovering something and creating something together you know um and so that was like really when this music kind of started to make sense for me well you must love bands being on a team yeah. like that because oh, yeah. you keep making new ones <laughs> yeah how yeah. many how many are, are, are you up to now i've I counted at least three yeah i don't know i'm not sure like sometimes the the bands the bands shift a little bit and like kind of you know wax and wane and mm-hmm. Sometimes bands are like very short-lived or very casual. Um yeah, but my my most serious projects are right now are um are the Barrel Boys and this this band that you saw Vinta. Yeah. You know, so that's a, that's a pretty new band. Mm-hmm. Um but that's a band of people that I've played that spent a lot of time playing with even before we were like official. Yeah. You well, can't see the air quotes. It was I mean. a great show. And for those who don't know about Vinta, that I mean, Vinta ties into your love of uh, that 
like French folk dancing. Exactly. So you were mentioning, yeah, Vinta's a band that came out of that community um, of dancing and and playing for dancing. So uh, actually, Emmeline, who's in who's in Vinta, Emmeline yeah. Stam, she was the one of the founders of the Ballfolk Toronto group. Gotcha. You know, she spent a bunch of time in Europe and like really fell in love with uh, with this like social dance music. And then when she came back to Toronto, um, she wanted to do it and wanted to share it with other people. So she started that collective. Well, it seems like all four of you have a pretty big interest in this. Yeah. Would it be fair to call it an obscure thing? I guess. I mean, it depends on where you are. You know, if you go to Central Europe, I mean... It's definitely not an obscure thing there. Right. They have festivals, like dance festivals, where, you know, they have huge stages and, like, thousands of people are, like, doing the dances that yeah. go along with these. It's, like, real kind of, like, rock and roll a little bit sometimes, yeah. you know, light shows and, like, massive, massive events, you know? Cool. Here, it's here it's obscure. Right. You know, um, but uh, we're kind of, we're trying to make it a little bit less obscure. Um, well, I think that's working because I now I'm in the know. Yeah, a little bit. I've seen you demo some of the dances. Yeah, that's right. Which was a, a really fun part. I mm-hmm. thought of your show. Was, oh, cool. Was, was being able to sort of see, and I, I think a couple people even got up and tried it a little bit themselves here oh, and sweet. there. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I kept imagining like some like uh, script supervisor or, or like historical chronology film person tapping you guys to let them know if the scene in coastal France in 1782 was like they were like doing the right the kids were doing the right moves oh yeah or something like, like we're, that we're the dancing you know? consultants yeah yeah consultants yeah <laughs> historical French dancing consultants right yeah yeah I just in movies I just picture kids run around a pole with ribbons sometimes picture a lot of that yeah but you got like that seems like the easy way out to me you guys know the actual moves we do we do we know the moves we've taught the moves to people it'd be fun to to have a a dance event here in smith falls and at you know at some time when it makes sense yeah once we're um, not all footloose and exactly dancing is allowed again exactly yeah but to have uh have like a, a dance workshop evening where you know bring the band in and like yeah. teach people some of these dances and um maybe teach some of the some of the musicians in town like to some a couple of the tunes to play for the dancing yeah that'd be pretty sweet i know there isn't really in, in vinta so much aside from perhaps your feet but is there is there like percussion elements traditionally in in that style of music like do they do they have any drums they use or not not a lot of the time you know a, it, it kind of depends on where you are too you know where which pocket of mm-hmm. france you're talking about you know um, like sometimes there'd be, you know, just like fiddles and, and bagpipes. Yeah. Like as you know, different French bagpipes. Um, and some, sometimes there'd be like this other instrument called a cabaret. Uh, there'd be like a hurdy-gurdy sometimes. I know a hurdy-gurdy. I've never heard of cabaret. What's a cabaret? Cabaret is like a double reed instrument that sounds a little bit like a really loud oboe. Okay. You know, and, um, yeah. So not not really a lot of uh, a lot of percussion that I've heard, but like I said, you know, at some of these some of the festival bands, you know, 
like headlining festival bands will mm-hmm. have drums in the band and it really it it starts to sound like really kind of rock and roll you know so as ball folks become like this modern concept um you know you'll have like more and more modern sounding bands um but there's also a lot of bands that like are really a lot of musicians that are really kind of going the other way a little bit and like keeping things very minimal yeah digging really deep into kind of tradition and like authenticity and and that sort of thing so you have kind of that whole that whole same mix that you have in in a lot of genres that like have deep roots and deep traditions but you guys keep it fairly authentic yes and no i mean we uh you know we don't profess to be like well I don't know. It depends. <laughs> we we don't, as a four-piece, necessarily profess to be, like, the experts on this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, for for myself, like, I've never actually been over there to to play this music and learn from people who are, like, the experts in the yeah. field. Um, so for me, something that's always, that's always made sense to me is writing my own tunes. Yeah. You know? Um, and that way... You know, I feel like uh, I've I'm being kind of as as honest as I can be, you know, and as authentic to mm-hmm. myself as I can be. I have gotten a lot of joy from playing these tunes and playing in this style and playing for these dances. Um, and I also want to, I don't know, yeah, express that express that joy through um through a way that is yeah i, I don't know true to my to myself mm-hmm. so this is something i kind of feel like i have ownership over do you, you know what i mean yeah, i'm not, I'm yeah, not expressing I'm, myself no I, I mean I when i like. saw you guys play there there definitely seemed to be two kind of modes there was like this is a piece from 1850 and yeah. we're going to play it mm-hmm. and then there was like this is a piece inspired by exactly. you know so, and so and those pieces obviously obviously just as you said you're going to be you know it, it may be an homage to yeah, something certainly. but but it's at the same time an original modern composition of yours so things are going to cross pollinate and other For things sure. are going to going to leak in and and it's going to be part Nate and 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 part uh, uh you know 1850s French guy yeah exactly and and then i feel a little bit less uh kind of self-conscious about like having a real kind of canadian accent i guess when mm-hmm. it comes like or a bluegrass accent or whatever like the nate accent uh on the fiddle when it when i'm like playing this kind of music and it doesn't matter so much to me because it's like this is a tune that i wrote yeah and it fits with this dance yeah you know i've danced these dances enough to know what i want a tune to feel like for dancing mm-hmm. these dances um so, yeah, I, I feel like it's a it's a kind of a nice balance, and like a lot of the tunes that we play in Vinta are are tunes like that 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 we wrote. I don't know, like tune authorship. I think is just something that I like to celebrate, and mm-hmm. these traditions are are alive. You know, it's not just about like eighteen fifties, you know, French guy. It's about like what it's about us dancing now, yeah. you know, yeah. and so us playing tunes that are that are that I wrote a month ago or or 6 months ago or whatever and 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 everything's still expanding everything's still growing everything's still evolving and it's it's it can be personal for for everybody 
you know? So when I saw you guys play, yeah. Um, and you, I, I definitely took note when you were introing, like, this is a song I wrote, this is a song I wrote. Yeah. Um, when you write a song yeah. and you're bringing it to Vinta, are you saying, like, I wrote a song and these are the four parts yeah. to the song? Or are yeah. you saying, I wrote a song, this is my oh. part, come in and do your thing with it? Okay. Um, so, yeah, this this kind of goes for both uh, both Vinta and the Barrel Boys. Um, our compos- The compositional styles are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, where we will write things individually a melody um what we bring to the group is a melody and general chord structure yeah though those chords are kind of subject to change mm-hmm. uh i would not i'm i'm not really as as much of a deep harmonic thinker as the other uh, as the other players in in that group um, or in the Barrel Boys, frankly, as a as a fiddle player, I don't know. I'm just so melody first. Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of a shortcoming musically, but you know, I'm working. You on live it. up top. Yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, the chords are playable on the fiddle, but uh, don't sound as good as yeah necessarily as, as on other instruments. Um, anyway, I'll bring like a tune. So melody, general chord structure, form, you know, but what everybody plays is like that's kind of either we'll we'll probably like play the tune a whole bunch mm-hmm. and people will discover things that they want to play on it or you know there's also kind of templates of of possibilities yeah you know um like playing a kind of a parallel harmony or playing like just some like nice long tones or whatever to sit back in the background or playing something that's like more rhythmic driving um and yeah and we just kind of kind of jam it for a while and then we'll have a discussion about it mm-hmm. and be like hey you know hey what if you did this thing and like oh maybe i'll do this what are you doing there oh i think if you do that can you play that thing that you were doing and i'm gonna try and like play it along with you or something like it's the kind of this group discovery process i think that's what makes a band a band oh yeah big time you know otherwise you're just four people who are playing music together yeah you're not a band well even yeah i mean and even like when a lot of things are um decided in advance like for example, when I was in school and playing, in, I played in a string quartet for a couple of years. Yeah. Same, like with the same four people for two years. And it was amazing. You know, we had all the sheet music in front of us yeah. and like the dynamics and notes and rhythms and like general tempos are all kind of decided. But there's still this like discussion process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're kind of like picking through the details and like, do we like, do we all breathe here? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's this yeah. sort of thing. And like, get like the exact articulation together. I don't know. I, I just love doing that stuff. I love rehearsing and I love kind of this discussion and, and crafting an arrangement and crafting the details and getting things really like tight, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Together. Yeah. It's, this, it's, that, it's that teamwork element. I yeah. mean, I feel like I could play any kind of music in a way as long as I like really loved working as a team with the people. Yeah, that were in the ensemble. Yeah, I get that. Because I mean, I mean, even if you, as a fiddle player, you might head in with an idea of what you might like to hear on 
the clarinet. Yeah. But it's just going to be probably more generalized. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and when you have the expert to lean on, it just, it becomes such a bigger thing than what any one person can typically do by themselves. Yeah. In, in, in all honesty, I would say that when I bring a song to the barrel boys or a, or a, a tune to Vinta, I would say like my ideas about what other people are going to play are going to be like slim to none. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'd rather not have any kind of expectations of what, what they're going to play, except I know it's going to be good. You know, I I, like, I trust everybody in those ensembles to just figure it out. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah, it it is. Yeah. So barrel boys. Yeah. Bluegrass. Yeah. Vinta. French dance folk with a little bit of like, there's some what Belgian in there. Some yeah, some there's Swedish. some Scandinavian. Yeah, exactly. We play some Swedish tunes. Um, we play some. We also play kind of like some Canadian yeah. fiddle inspired tunes as well. And did I just see a Facebook post like yesterday about oh. another new band? <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. That band, uh, the Prospectors, is. A semi-real band. Right. Okay. It's a project. Yeah. Project is maybe a bit much. So it's somewhere here, in between yeah. a real band and, and an a, inside an idea, joke. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That now you're it's it's somewhere in between those things. It's a band that we really would love to be a real band. Yeah. Um because okay, so the story with that <laughs> with that uh is um, so this camp I was just at, yeah. uh, Northern Lights, out in Saskatchewan, is my second time going to this camp, and it's just such a wonderful place. I mean, I, I just love teaching in a place where everybody is, you know, everybody's kind of like focused on learning and growing together, and like everybody's so positive and supportive, and the, anyway, the teachers they hired for this week were, were really wonderful. Um, we all got along so well and enjoyed hanging out when we weren't teaching, and mm-hmm. You know, we jammed together until the wee hours in the morning. And, you know, we had, by the end of the week, we had all these kind of like inside jokes and uh, th- things that are, of course, like would be like really stupid to try and explain, you know, lots of you had to be there kinds of things. And um, this one time at band camp? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Exactly. You know, lots, lots of, uh, lots of fun though. And mm-hmm. we, and we loved playing together just, yeah, everything really, really kind of clicked socially, musically. Um, so much so that we just kind of decided, oh man, what, what if we made a band, you know? And it was kind of like snowballed, you yeah. know? What would we, we be called? And, you know, this one guy, Pat, in, the, in, in this group of friends, he really wanted everybody to say, to like sign off the conversations by saying happy trails. He was very invested in this for some yeah. reason. And then we decided to add on the like moniker of prospector, like happy trails prospector for not really any good reason. Yeah. Just again, like a silly thing that we came up with. And so then, you know, we just said, Oh, like our band could be the prospectors, you know, and we'd always say happy trails or like our song or our album would be happy trails. And then there was this one day festival kind of at the end of the camp. Uh, and at the end of one of their sets, that a duo of, of these teachers were playing, they had all of us up on stage and we played a couple of songs that mm-hmm. we had jammed, you know, at three in the morning or whatever. 
And uh, it was just so much fun to play together. So, you know, that was our one gig that we had. Nice. But the, the problem is, you know, two of them are from the Yukon. One's from Victoria. One's from Edmonton. Uh, and, you know, I'm from, I'm, I live here. <laughs> So, you know, distance is a bit of a factor there. Yeah. So that, but one of the guys in the in in that group is uh is a really skilled photographer. So he said, "Oh, you know, let's take a band picture." You know, so that's that's where all this kind of came came from. Nice. Um, so then, it's a band we really want to be a band and to like play together, but it's uh logistically challenging. So next band practice might be a year from now then? Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, that's that's what we hope. Maybe gotcha. we'll get a gig sometime and then we'll have a band practice. So that's so that's two and a half bands, let's call <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there is that where it ends at um, this point? For not really? No, I would I wouldn't say that. Like I play I've played for a number of years with a project um called uh Lisa Way and the Wayward Wind, and they play in um, they play in kind of soft seater theaters around, mm-hmm. and it's it's like very scripted concerts. Okay, um, it's not tribute shows necessarily, though. She does have a couple of tribute shows for which I'm like uh, I would be like a part of the backing band, mm-hmm. but um, so. <sighs> Yeah, she started making kind of tribute shows, but then she got this band together of people who were not only good musicians, but also were comfortable talking to an audience mm-hmm. and also good singers. Yep. So then she started to make these shows a little more like complicated, <laughs> complicated, like more dynamic, let's say. Interactive? Of, yeah, like it's more, uh, yeah, Complicated is kind of a negative word, but like dynamic, let's say, so that, you know, people would take turns like talking to the audience and talking about the songs and like, but it's, there's, there's a script, right? Talking about the artists and the songs that we're, that we're doing. And it'd be like a variety of music with a, with a running theme. Anyway, I've, I've played for a number of years with, uh, so even a bit theatrical, might you say? A little bit. Verging? Yeah. Yeah. It's not theater necessarily. And it's not necessarily a band. Like it is a band, but you know, with it's a, a show, with a script, it's, it's a, a show. show. It's a concept. Yeah, you know, it's really yeah, like a kind of a bit of a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's no it. there's no plot necessarily, and uh, there's not we're not like characters. You know, we're just it's a yeah, it's but just it's a script, show. It's scripted exactly. And night from night, you you can be like that was a really good show. Oh yeah, that was a really good. Like this section of the show, oh, was, was bang on, yeah, for sure. You know, this time, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, um, I learned a lot playing with that group. Like, you know, I was a pretty good fiddle player and a pretty good singer, but you know, we we also played. I, I had to play a lot of rhythm guitar, um, and I got a lot better at that. Mandolin, I got a lot better at. I got a lot more. I got to really dig into what it means to be a performer mm-hmm. uh, doing those shows because you're, I, I really started to see the value of doing the same thing like night after night for yeah. a few weeks. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like all of a sudden, like I'm not thinking about what I'm saying anymore. I'm not thinking about the words I'm singing. I'm not thinking about the chords I'm playing. I'm not thinking about my fiddle lines. I'm just thinking about how I'm like projecting as a performer yep. to the audience. I'm just focusing on only that. And I'd never really been able to do that before. Like I never had the opportunity yeah. to just dig into that, the like raw aspect of performing and, and, and that part of performing, just the performance 
itself. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can have a you can have a thousand band practices, you can have a thousand rehearsals, mm-hmm. but nothing I find hones your performing skills like performing. Yeah, actually performing. Oh yeah, because then you know is at a band practice if you you know you get a cramp in your hand or something you might just stop and give it a little massage or something and jump back in but when mm-hmm. you're in a show you got the show must go on you sure. got you got to keep it going right yeah. so you, you and that's that's when you really learn the sort of ups and downs and nooks mm-hmm. and crannies of your set yeah. and how to pace yourself exactly and and whether you're you know you what where your issues are yeah. like, can I not hear here do I have a tendency to get excited and play a little too fast here yep. do I need to pull back here am I and night after night doing that again especially mm-hmm. when it's in the same order so you can really exactly. judge that flow like I just played a burner and now I got two burners in a row mm-hmm. please talk in between these two songs for yeah. thirty seconds sure. so that my hands can recover sort of yep. thing exactly yeah, yeah you're you're totally right. Um, pacing and and just your energy and you know people would kind of ask me sometimes like well you know like do you get tired of doing the same show over and over again and generally i would say no because again like i'm not thinking about the content anymore like like i was saying you know like i'm not i'm not thinking about the aspects that are the same Mm -hmm. those are mostly on autopilot in a way you know require very little conscious thought Mm what I'm thinking about is the things that are different is like, Oh, what's, what's happening with the audience, you know? And like, what am I doing with my body? And like, how can I say something? How can I say something like really dial this, this thing in to get like as much kind of humor out of what I'm saying as possible or yeah, just thinking uh, there's always stuff to think about and always things that were different and always things to learn. Mm -hmm. So jumping back one sec, yeah, yeah, still, yeah. still a little fuzzy on your trajectory here. Sure, sure. So you started in horn pain. Yeah, that's where I was born. Born in horn pain and then moved to North Bay. Very soon moved to North Bay, yeah. Like in your first year of life? No, no, no. Like I was, I was almost Five, four. Five, six? Four, yeah. Four? Yeah. And then you were in North Bay till, till high like, school? Yeah, and I actually did a college diploma in North Bay in like environmental science. Hmm. Um which is not the route I ended up going. Like immediately afterwards, I went and did a music degree. Right. So no, um, no, no break from school. No break school, from school, school, school until I was like, yeah, I guess twenty four, almost twenty four, and that was in Ottawa. I went to I went to university in Ottawa. Oh, okay. Oh, like yeah. Ottawa U. Ottawa U. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. I grew up in Ottawa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice never, town. Never went to the university, but I did used to host a radio show. Oh yeah. On, on CHUO. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, for a couple of years, uh, like the early 2000s. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, their heavy metal show. Oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Of course. It's called Force Fed. Force Fed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, my uh, my friend actually hosted it for like uh, probably a decade. Yeah. I, uh, I joined him as co-host for a couple of years. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was fun. Fun times. I I'm like sure. That. I like that campus. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know, it's a little uh, like kind of brutalist in a way, like all those kind of concrete mm-hmm. buildings you know, it's not the most inspiring campus. There's a lot of concrete and asphalt. Yeah, and when I say campus, I I think I I more just mean the radio station. I ah. didn't really I didn't really get around campus much. Like I yeah. said, I wasn't a student, but I just had a show there, and they had they had a room full of records. Yeah, it's fun to look through all the records and CDs. And totally, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, Ottawa U was a nice place to go to school. So then you moved to Toronto. Well. Yes, I I toured with a with a bluegrass band called Hard Ride right after that, uh-huh. and then and then I went to 
South Korea and taught English for, for oh, a while. Oh, you did that thing. Yeah. A couple of years or a year? Just one or? year. One year. Just one year. And then I traveled, like backpacked around uh, Southeast Asia and China for a little while after that. And then and then I moved to Toronto and and that's when I, I went to Humber College for a year and that's when I met the Barrel Boys. Right. Yeah. So what'd you do at Humber? Was that like more viola jazz, stuff? Like or? jazz violin. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like in a way, this this feels a little weird to say, but at every stage of my journey, I kind of had said like to myself, okay, no more bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No more fiddling. No more fiddling. I'm just going to, I'm going to study. I'm going to, I'm going to only do serious music. Yeah. You know? And it just kept coming back into my life, you mm-hmm. know? Always there was a discovery, you know, like this guy at the farmer's market, you know, saying like, hey, you ever heard of bluegrass? Or when I was at Ottawa U, I was walking through the market one time and there was this sign that said, live bluegrass upstairs. And there were these guys, this band, the Dusty Drifters, and they didn't have a fiddle player in their band. So I ended up joining their band. <laughs> and then, you know, they connected me with this band, Hard Ride. And then, I don't know, like, and then the Barrel Boys kind of formed just by people hearing about each other and like organically forming this group. And, you know, and at that point I, I became such good friends with those guys that that was the kind of music I wanted to play. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's just a, so much about the people. So how long were you in Toronto then? Hmm. I moved to Toronto in 2012 and, uh, you know, just moved to Smith's Falls at the beginning of this year. So just shy of a decade. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you liking the falls? It's great. Yeah? Yeah. Tell, tell me about that. Like, you you moved here. Had you, yeah. heard, had you heard of here before? Oh, yeah. Had you been here before? For sure. Yeah? Yeah, we'd been here a couple of times. We hadn't spent, like, really serious time here, mm-hmm. Bree and I, before before we moved. Um, but, like, Rob and Rosalyn um, were our, our connection to Smith's Falls. Yeah. They moved to Smith's Falls, and we're like, what? Where is Smith's Falls? What is the deal... Why are you guys going there? What's what's the deal with that? Um, and since they moved there, you know, they've been kind of putting the bug in our ear. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, what if you guys what if you guys moved to Smith Falls? And we we were we're pretty excited about Toronto. I mean, I I love Toronto mm-hmm. very much. And um, you know, I will always miss Toronto, I think. So I, I don't know. I, I wasn't keen to leave the city necessarily. Um, but Smith Falls was always a little bit on our radar mm-hmm. just from them living here and them, you know, starting like starting this place, the arts hub and, and Smith Falls music with you guys. Yep. Um, and so, and we, as we came and visited, we met a couple of their friends. Like we met Jared and Josie, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, Oh man, there's, there's some cool people in Smith Falls. It's like kind of, kind of sweet. And, um, but still, we weren't necessarily thinking about coming here until, so Brie um, finished up her master's of counseling psychology, started mm-hmm. a private practice. Um, and this was just just over a year ago, really. And so we were, and this was, you know, mid-pandemic. Yeah. And we were living in a one-bedroom apartment, and I was teaching virtual fiddle lessons in our living room and she was doing her counseling out of like our, our, you know, our bedroom pretty much, you know, and we're trying to like avoid overlap so that there's no sound 
you know, interference, yeah. mostly so that I'm not disturbing her sessions, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so, yeah, it would, it was just kind of a, a bit of a challenge to, to negotiate space and sonic space mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. we, th- we thought, okay, we got to get a bigger apartment, you know, and then looking at how much it was going to cost to get a bigger apartment, we were like, ooh, ouch, you know, and um, then we started tossing around the idea of like, oh, I wonder what like a mortgage in Smith Falls would, <laughs> would yeah. cost us, you know? Yeah. So we moved here and, and then that kind of one thing led to another. Then we started coming to like look at houses and then we found the house that we lived in. Oh, this is a great house, you know? And um, so we came here because we could afford a house here. Yeah. And, uh, and also because, you know, we we had really really good friends here. I mean, Rob and I lived together. Yeah. Not only were we in a band together, we lived together uh, for like most of the time I was in Toronto. Right. Yeah. So we are very close. We know each other very well. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to convince some of my other friends from Southern Ontario to to move up here. I haven't had any luck yet. I've had some. Well, I think I've had some close. I've I've definitely piqued some people's interest. Well, you never know. Yeah. You know, just, we, just we were adamant it. that we weren't, that we weren't moving yeah. until we were. Well, you came in just ahead of the curve. Yeah. You came in at a good time. Good, sure. Good time to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, my impression of Smith's Falls so far is, is, is a little bit limited. You know, it's, it's a place that is kind of, has kind of been slowly, very slowly revealing itself. Yep. You know, we moved here in January. Everything's locked down, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, it took a while to get to know this place. Like, we couldn't go into the local businesses, really, yep. and check things out. And we couldn't hang out with with people, you know? Like, and it was winter, so it's not like we're having, like, a big outdoor, like, an outdoor hangs yeah. for very long. Yeah. Um, so meeting, you know, we, we obviously knew a couple of people, but meeting like friends of friends couldn't happen until the weather got warmer yep. until um restrictions eased and uh so it's been a slow discovery process like we couldn't even meet our neighbors yeah and now we love our street that we live on yeah. like we've met all the people who live on our street and it's just they're so wonderful everybody's coming out of their shells a little yeah more. like they're so generous and so friendly and and so like forthcoming um yeah, we really love where we live, but we we didn't know that for months when we first moved in. Yeah. You know, so we've discovered some things that we that we really love about about the town, you know? I mean, you know, some great little parks and mm-hmm. uh great cafes, you know? And, it's got to uh, be uh well, it's got to feel good. It does feel it's gotta good. It's got to be validating. It definitely feels validating. Make things feel a little a little more real. Yeah. You know what? You so you know, you mentioned the 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 concert we had in our backyard, yeah. Right, that for me was like the the real kind of clincher moment. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't about necessarily like, oh, you know, I get to play a concert for people necessarily. It wasn't like the performance felt very good, but also just to see a bunch of people, like look out and see a bunch of people who were in our yard you know, who like we knew or some that we like knew very loosely, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, contacts of contacts kind of thing. And it'd be, just to look out and be, and say, oh, this is 
our community. We live here. Mm-hmm. This is this is for real. Like we we moved here, and it's uh, and it's feeling good. Awesome. You know, it that was that was really validating, and I think Bree felt the same way. Yeah. You guys see yourselves here for the long haul. Yeah. You stay a while. Yeah. yeah. Stay a while. I mean, we don't have any. We don't necessarily have any ideas past. Yeah. Past this, I mean, Bree and I have both traveled a lot, and uh, we've both lived in other countries, you know, and so maybe there'd be something like that on on our horizon. But for now, we're we're still we. I mean, we still feel like we're just getting comfortable. The whole uh, home ownership thing is yeah. also really like kind of crazy. You know? Yeah, it's a trip. Yeah, I'm v- not handy at all. Mm. So uh, for me. It's a it's big process of discovery. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I I don't think I was very handy until I mm. got my first house, and now I'm handy. And did you have someone to kind of show you stuff or like apprentice under a little bit? Um, not even really. like a buddy or anything. Not really. No way. No. Good for Mainly you. just figured stuff out nice. on my own. So it's generally how I prefer to do things. That's admirable. I like like to teach myself things. Nice. I'll look at, I'll I'll read articles or I'll I'll watch YouTube videos. Yeah. Or I'll just figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I wish I could say the same for myself. I'm, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I like to learn, I like to learn from people. Yeah. And I like to kind of, the same sort of thing with music, like share kind of this the discovery process yeah. with somebody else. But that yeah, means yeah. sometimes things take a while uh, at home before I like can gather the courage to uh, to like learn a vastly new skill. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, there's a I like learn. I, I definitely when it comes to music, I definitely like learning from people, but mm-hmm. less less in a I'm going to take a lesson from you sure. right now kind of way, and 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 more really from the from playing with people. Right. I yeah. always like to try and play with people who were better than me. Right. You know, so that I would have to try and I feel that. try and come up to their level. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's that's pro- I think that's the one thing I mentioned before, like per- performing, like touring, playing the same show, yeah, every night in a row for weeks on end, mm-hmm. is one thing that helped me get better as a musician. And Absolutely. the other thing is just whether it's a tour or not, just playing with good players. Oh yeah. Play, making sure I surround myself, try and surround myself with people who are, are really good. And I have to, even if I might be, I don't know, not, you know, it's not a contest, but who's better all the time. But, yeah, yeah. um, you know, but you so, feel like you have to have step their up. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to step up. I'm going to have yeah. to bring my a game. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That feeling is good. Um, it's, some, sometimes I, f- I feel like it can be stressful in the moment to be like, oh, you know, you can get really like in your head about it. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not yeah. like, I'm not doing the uh, the thing at at the same level as I need to be. But no, I mean, you know, that is exactly where you want to be yeah. as a as a you got to be yourself up musician a little bit, a little bit, yeah. You know, you got to be hard on yourself. Otherwise, you know, you just otherwise you're just playing for the participation trophy. <laughs> I mean. It's all participation trophies in a way, you yeah, know. Like yeah. we want, we want to be the best we can be. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I just yeah. There's there's always this balance, you know, of of yeah, beating yourself up enough to want to improve. Yeah, you know, to to be kind of striving to you know to at least like get the instrument in your hands to practice. Mm-hmm. You know, to to get that work ethic because you don't always feel like it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's got to be other motive, like ulterior motives, like, oh, I don't want to, 
let everybody down or, yeah. oh, I want to like be at the level, uh, at the level with the people I'm playing with. Yeah, totally. Well, there's that I accountability. Mean, even just like, I would compare that even to just like, say, running a business, you know, it sure. helps having a partner. Yeah. Cause there's somebody there who you have to be accountable yeah, to. Exactly. You know? Somebody you don't, it's, it's a lot easier to let yourself down. Sure. You know? Yeah. Exactly. I let myself down all the time. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it just whizzes by me. But, For sure. But I don't want to let other people down. No. Not them. No. Me? Okay, exactly. fine. I'll let myself down. I agree wholeheartedly. That's, yeah, uh, yeah that's kind of how I like to structure important things mm-hmm. is to get other people invested so that I will do it. Yeah. You know, I, like, I, made, I made an album that came out in early 2020 uh, of songs and tunes mostly that that I wrote yeah. almost entirely of things that I wrote a couple of things that Emmeline wrote are on there um, and I got Emmeline involved and I got Alan involved who is a bass player in Vinta mm-hmm. um, and I said okay you guys like let's you you guys want to be in the band for this for this album project yeah. and they said yeah let's do it and I wrote like some grants that I ended up not getting um, but uh, the great thing about that was I had reached out, like in in the process of applying for the grant, I had reached out to engineer, like publicist, and uh, you know, looked into all the financial aspects of everything, and gotten everybody, like scheduled some dates of when we would record. Yeah, you know, and I, then after I'd done all that, I said, okay, well, I I better do it now, mm-hmm. you know, because I've now I feel like I've set up the expectation, and even if they don't necessarily care. I kind of, it's more beneficial for me to kind of fool myself into thinking like, oh, they, they care, you know, like, yeah. there's some kind of, some level of like respect for me is riding on yeah, yeah. my completion of this, you know, yeah. and that was enough, that was just enough to keep me, you know, edging forward and keep, keep pushing yeah, I can on see it. That, and totally. then, and then I had an album, Nice. you know, most of it had been written by that point, but not everything, Yeah. you know, so it kept, kept writing and kept thinking about it and yeah it was good so when did you put out that record so the album yeah the album's called let it rest let it rise and uh i put it out it it came out in february of 2020 gotcha yeah so and that's just before pandemic that's for sale in the arts hub where it we is. are where we are now actually that's correct. You know, i've never actually even once described to properly described to the listeners like where I'm doing this show from. I've like made brief mentions that right. it's in the arts hub or that it's, you know, I'm have a, that I also teach at Smith Falls music as you do. <laughs> That's right. But uh, for anybody out there listening, um, Nate and I are currently sitting in, in the back of the arts hub, which is a Northwood studio. It's a recording studio back here. Uh, we use it for some lesson teaching and Smith Falls music as well. And we've got a couple other rooms that we teach music lessons in. Nate teaches fiddle. We got, Lots of other teachers teaching lots of different instruments. And then up front, we got the the Arts Hub gift shop, which features, I mean, your CD, your mm-hmm. album, for yep. one, for sale, as well as many other uh, music and pottery and yeah, woodworking great and things. painting, all, all, sorts of, all sorts of art. Yeah. Music and art. Music yeah, is one, art. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, wonderful things to to check out and to and to buy. So that's we're here right now, and that that's where we're doing this podcast from. So when we when we when you hear those references about the Arts Hub or Smith Falls Music, that's actually where we are right now. It's a multi-purpose, multi-faceted uh, hub for the arts, all yeah. the arts. Yeah, exactly. One thing we don't have here is uh, yet, at least we've talked about maybe bringing it in is is dance. Now mm. I saw you tapping your feet. Is that another thing you got under your belt? You dancer? Oh, or is that just like a little I'm not bit a of, good dancer. Yeah. But I wouldn't describe myself, you know, you'd be surprised. I wouldn't describe myself as very coordinated. Mm. Playing the fiddle looks very complicated, but really both of your hands are doing the same thing in a way. Like mm. they're both combining to create like one sound. Yeah. It's not like if you're playing piano and you can be doing like three different things with different fingers, like that level of coordination yeah. or playing the drums, for example, yeah. you know, playing the drums um, just requires so much more coordination. And so getting that like foot tapping stuff, like the kind of Quebecois, yeah, feet rhythm <laughs> um, that accompanies fiddle tunes, getting that down is, has been a long, long work in process for yeah. me. So do you exclusively stick to the like percussion level accompanying yourself on fiddle or do you put the fiddle down ever and and Oh no, I can't dance. do like step dancing right. or tap gotcha. dancing or gotcha. any anything like that really. Um the only dancing, yeah, the only dancing that I feel really confident doing is like these French social dances. Yeah. Which, you know, has has required some uh, quite a bit of learning as well to the the steps themselves are very simple, but you know, there's also all kinds of like subtlety to you just, you know, moving your weight around very slightly and mm-hmm. shifting, especially with a partner, you know, how to communicate using, you know, like your shifts in body weight or like subtle kind of like, I don't know, hand gestures and like subtle, like tactile motions with yeah. each other. Um, you know, it gets, it can get really, really deep. I took a ballroom dancing course oh, yeah. once when I was a teenager. So I could do like the basic moves of mm. like the fox trot. Oh yeah, and uh, the triple swing. That's pretty sweet. Uh, the merengue. Yeah. Um, but I've lost most of that at this yeah. point. I can still just do the like little hip swings of the oh, nice. merengue. I I do that sometimes. Just That's to pretty cool. Bother my wife. She really hates <laughs> it when I do that dance. I do like dancing a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, I always have, and I like, I like, um, you know dancing i like square dancing as well I, I really like kind of this this like more organized form of dancing yeah well i know? mean that's what i really liked one of the things i really liked about watching vinta is when i did see the demos of the dance mm. i was like that i think i could do yeah those dances they're very uh they're very inclusive sure exactly they're yeah. very it's it's a very accessible that is the um, yeah that's the whole idea dance, i think yeah exactly and that's what i've always loved about it too um it's that the the group in Toronto, the Ballfolk group in Toronto, they, you know, it's a very inclusive community mm-hmm. and you always get people, there's always kind of people joining who just randomly see people, will see people doing it at this, this bar that they'll, um, that they'll meet at and, you know, they'll just kind of get swept up into like some of the, especially there's kind of larger group dances as well and people will just kind of get swept into the group a little bit yeah. and sometimes they'll they'll just dance for a night sometimes they'll just dance for a dance but um sometimes they'll just become part of the community and come back week after week and yeah it's really really beautiful um 
and the tunes themselves are are largely simple as well. So mm-hmm. it, they're inclusive in that way too. Yeah. Again, like you can play them, you can deepen your your groove with those tunes, but to just play the melody is themselves are are, are pretty are pretty simple mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So it's it's nice as well. There's like a nice starting point and then there's always kind of further, you know, more grounded you can you can get with the tunes. Yeah. Very uh very kitchen party friendly. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And that, exactly. So much of folk and traditional music is is like that. Yeah. And that's what I kind of love about playing it. So I uh being a musician myself who's done like touring and, and recording, I, I different kind of worlds, different streams, but still mm. within music. Yep. I think I understand the sort of general lifestyle and, and, and mode of operation, but I feel like a lot of people out there don't. Sure. You know, um, so perhaps for the people listening, like how would you, how would you sort of sum up or describe to somebody who lives a life not based around music, what that's what that's really like. I feel like it's like people see like there's hobbyist musicians, mm-hmm. and then there's you know famous rock stars right. and pop stars and whatnot, and yeah. that whole sort of area in between. People, the lay people out there, just don't really seem to know that much about a lot mm. of the time, or or really understand how musicians get by. Sure, you know what's uh, you know if you were to describe what it's like to be a musician, a folk musician. Oh, yeah. Of, 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 your, of your particular avenue to somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, in some ways, it's a little hard to describe because it's so particular for every musician. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so different for everybody um, because everybody's kind of like trying to get by, as you say, and like trying to make their own path in in music and there's no really like there are very few like kind of standard ways of doing things mm-hmm. so i mean i would say that like obviously the the best part or the some of the best one of the best parts of being a musician is that i get to perform i've always i've always loved performing mm-hmm. um and so for me like being able to perform in a concert is like is just so great you know, and that's kind of, you know, that's the most public thing mm-hmm. that, that I, that I, that people can see about my life is me being like very happy on stage because I'm happy to be there and I'm sh- happy to share that experience with people in the audience and people in the bands that I play with. Um, then there's also the other really awesome things are getting to meet other musicians yeah. and getting to jam together and, getting to, you know, like, for example, with these people that I was playing with last week, you know, um, getting to, yeah, like, find some common ground with people in terms of repertoire and in terms of a sound and trying to, like, meld your musical ideas together with people who maybe you don't speak even the same language as or, you know, just, I I don't know, it's a wonderful kind of relationship building community building tool mm-hmm. um social i i don't know i uh yeah it's almost sometimes it's almost uncomfortable for me to be in like long social situations and not play 
and not play music with people at yeah. some at some point, not have like music be part of it. I um, can see that. I mean, it's, I have so many musician friends, and sure. while I'm not always playing with them, I mean, usually the conversation or listening to music or something like music. that. You know, yeah. showing each other like recordings and like you know albums and yeah. things like that. I don't yeah. know. Um, so nerding it's a, out. Sorry? Nerding out. Nerding out. Exactly. Yeah. I love to nerd out. Yeah, I know um, you do. I could yeah. tell. I could tell. That was that was actually what I leaned over and said to Amber yeah. in, a, in the most positive way. That <laughs> like I, these guys the are a bunch concert, of nerds. I was like, I don't know how they found four <laughs> people so specifically nerdy about uh, uh, about about this kind of music, but I love it. Well, part of that, though, part of that is is loving that music. Yeah. And then part of that is just that we love to play together. Yeah. And that we and we love to hang out together. So it's this, you know, part of it. It's the same with the Barrel Boys and Bluegrass. You yep. know, it's like part of it is the is the music itself, and part of it is just like I I want I want to play with these people, and we can play anything. Yeah, you know, and it's gonna be awesome. I I just you know I just want to whatever it takes to like hang out together. Let's let's play music, you know, mm-hmm. and let's figure out what what we like as a as a four piece. And we're still kind of figuring that out yeah. with Vinta. Um, but, oh yeah. So lifestyle stuff. And then everything else starts to get a little bit less glamorous after that. No, not necessarily. Teaching is also a big part of what I do. Yeah. Um, and teaching is, I love teaching, you know, I, um, it's, it's, you get some of the same, human connection mm-hmm. that you do with the like, jamming and performing but then there's also this there's also some of the wonderful parts that I love about rehearsing that come into teaching where you know you're with a student and you're trying to like creatively come up with solutions to like the roadblocks and mm-hmm. um I don't know I've always I've always found teaching to be very like life-giving and like energizing yeah um and teaching, really, I, I'm teaching much more now than I ever have been before. Part of that is just because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know. I think uh, I shifted to teaching virtually exclusively for a long time. And so that meant people, could people, anybody who's kind of like coming out of the woodwork and, and wanting to learn the fiddle, you know, maybe it's like, well, now I'm limited in terms of like what interests I can pursue and I've got this time mm-hmm. and now I've always kind of thought about learning the fiddle and now I can and so I'm, I'm gonna and like who should I reach out to and people have found me somehow and uh, through various various means and uh, so I'm teaching a lot more now than I, than I ever have been and that's a really, really wonderful part of my life and, and career. Um, but then, yeah, I would say so now after that, after that point, Things are less glamorous. It's like a lot of emails, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's um, just the kind of emails like emailing back and forth with students or booking booking people, you know, and those are like the good emails. And then the bad emails are like applying the ones you send to festivals or concert promoters that you never hear back from. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's just, a yeah, there's a lot of time kind of spent on the computer doing kind of like mundane and some and kind of repetitive stuff uh that's that's not so fun um and there's and then you know there's a lot of time i also spend a lot of time in transit mm-hmm. a lot of time like in the car 
driving to various gigs, sometimes like learning or practicing the music for those gigs or for other future gigs, like by myself singing along to practice tracks in the car or um, trying to trying to learn lyrics in the car a lot. And, you know, and then there's the rehearsal time, which is hard work, but, but which I really love. Yeah, it's it's funny. And then there's just practice, you know, and practice and and writing. Both of those kind of, if you want to be a good musician or you want to play, or you maybe not good musician, if you want to like accomplish things as a musician or as a creator, like you just, you have to keep doing them and you, you pr- probably don't feel like it I don't know. Like I probably don't feel like it like half the time. Mm-hmm. And so, but you just still have to do these things. So it's kind of funny, you know, a conversation that I really don't like having is people saying, people finding out that I play music full time and them telling me, wow, that's so great that you get to do what you love. Yeah. You know? And that's the kind of thing I was, that sort of sparked this question. Yeah. From, people just don't really seem to get it. And they, I don't know. It's almost like there's sometimes there's a little, there's either like a lack, just complete bewilderment. Like you really, like you don't have a day job. Like you, you do this for real. Like how? Yeah. Um, Or which is like, I I mean, I think, I think one of my preferred responses, because at least it's like, there's a certain amount of like, wow Mm -hmm. to it. But then there's like that. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. And it's kind of, kind of, kind of like a little pat on the head. Yeah, there's a little like bit a, of that sometimes. Of, it depends. Of... Yeah, it depends on the person. But, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, there's the idea that I'm, that I'm always kind of doing what I love and what I choose to do. Well, I mean, I'm always choosing to do it. That's, that's really what it comes down mm-hmm. to. I'm doing what I, what I've chosen to do. And sometimes I love it, but, you know, like anything that you really love, like the the more that you enjoy it, like sometimes like the more that you hate it sometimes. Yeah. You know, just just sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Not enough that it's it you know, it's a real grind sometimes. Oh yeah. You know? There's a lot of hard work, like there is with any job, but that's it, you know? Like it's like it's a job sometimes. Yeah, and I don't I think a lot of people they just have trouble really wrapping their heads around the fact that that can even really be a job. You know, it's like it's, and that was sort of touching on that dichotomy where people Mm. tend to either view it as like either you're rich and famous or you're a hobbyist. Sure. But there's this whole world Mm -hmm. in between. Yeah. You know, and if I were like, well, I'm a carpenter, I'm going to, I'm going to drive nails into wood and saw wood and build things out of wood. People are like, cool. That's That's wonderful. That's great. Are you, I hear you're, I hear you're good at it. Can you come build me some stairs? Like, right. There's there's kind of an understanding, I guess, of instantly understood and and, and okay. But, but you tell people you're like, well, I'm a musician. They're like, oh, are you now? (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's always, it's just always this little kind of, kind of tweak to it. Yeah. But I think it got, you know, it does come from a lack of understanding. And it is a grind a lot of the time. When you aren't when you aren't that famous person, a lot of the, you know, you have we have chosen to make our hobbies our professions. Sure. Which I mean, it's a lot harder to sell CDs than it used to. Uh-huh. So you got to yeah. you got to teach more lessons and you mm-hmm. got to you got to take more gigs mm-hmm. and you got to maybe do some session stuff for yeah. uh which I'm grateful for. You know, yeah. I, like at the end of the day, like I don't want to f- I don't I, I don't say this because I'm 
ungrateful. You know, I'm very grateful to be able to do this. Yeah. Um, I feel I'm just so fortunate to be able to have been doing this for, you know, for many, many years and to continue to do this and like to, for my opportunities to be, to be growing, you know, and like for the, the number of people I get to play with to be kind of expanding all the time and the number of people I meet to be expanding all the time, you know, it's like, it is really wonderful, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely complicated and it's definitely nuanced, you know, and it's, uh, it's a whole spectrum from like, you know, ecstatic to like very dark sometimes, you know? I think most musicians I know like also go through like extremely kind of low lows. Yeah. um, yeah. Because you have these high highs as well. Totally. So you so you're recording, you're you're gigging, you're jamming, you're writing, you're teaching. Yeah. Um any other little avenues, any any other ways you've spread your tentacles out there? Have you uh done any like film scoring or I've done do a-, a little bit of film yeah. scoring. Yeah, that's true. Uh I've I've done one I scored one film, uh, mm-hmm. a short film by uh, my friend John Clemens. Um it was like the first film that he directed mm-hmm. and he he talked to me and he said, "Hey, have you ever done any film scoring?" I said, "No." He's like, "Well, you want to score this film?" I said, "Okay, but like like I've never done anything like this before. He's like, oh yeah, that's fine. Neither have I, you know? Yeah. And so we were going through this kind of process together and he was working with, you know, a, a bunch of people who were much more experienced than he was. And then it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It was, it was hard. Uh, I really, but I really liked it. So it was, um, it was this film called Red Herring and it was like this short slasher film. Okay. And so that was kind of interesting to uh, like look at some old horror movies, you know, like Friday the 13th and, uh, you know, all, and Halloween and um, Psycho and th- those yeah. kinds of things and try to be like, okay, so like what's going on with the music here? You know, like how do they create, I'm not like a huge horror aficionado, so yeah. I, I got a little bit more familiar with the genre and uh Kind of be like, okay, what are some common threads here? Like, how are people creating suspense? And, you know, how do you create these, like, shifts in mood? And, like, how does this go? Uh, I also got some, like, great advice from people who have done, you know, more film scoring. Yeah. A lot more film scoring than I have. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, but it was it was great. It was, it was great to kind of write all this music. And the film, film was about 10 minutes long. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like violin for, well, that's a horror, it. for a horror film. Yeah, I got to make some right. like cool noises, yeah. you know, some like really screechy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like mostly the the score was was like piano sounds and and strings. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was like very very simple. I kind of you know just wanted to have uh yeah these kind of like long kind of suspended tones and then like kind of repetitive notes on the piano just mm-hmm. kind of like like a heartbeat type yeah. type sound and then eventually and then occasionally you'd have like these little bursts but the thing about this movie is that it's a bit of like a comedy as well it's like a kind of a slasher 
It's not like a little bit really, campy. It's not super campy. It's not really silly or anything. But there is an element of parody mm-hmm. because it's about this this killer that can't really like that keeps like screwing up. He's trying to like kill this person, and he keeps going into their house and. You know, he can't, like, finish the job, kind of, in a way. So there's these, like, kind of comedic scenes. And so I'd have these, like, you know, kind of pizzicato string quartet moments that were kind of, like, a little bit, like, bubbly and and silly where he's trying to, like, he's, like, you know, he's thinking about what he's going to do and he's, like, practicing his slashes. And, you know, it's... There, it was, there was a lot of fun as well. So It was kind of the perfect movie for me. Almost verging on an anti-hero? Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like for you sure. feel like in the way that you feel sorry for him because it's so bumbling. He's so bumbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want him to get exactly. better. You want him to get better at his job. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of rooting for him. Yeah. In a in a really like dark, messed up yeah. kind of way, you know. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. So that was really fun because it and it was kind of a nice first film scoring effort because you'd have like these very distinct shifts in mood. Yeah. You know, so it helped for me to be able to rely very heavily on some some kind of tropey uh, sounds. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, this is this is what a slasher film sounds like, and then like so, and then create something that was like a very obvious departure from that. So there were these, there were these like really quick shifts in moods that were yeah. that were very clear. You know, it was not it was it wasn't a subtle film score at all which helped i'll have to check it out yeah i'll send it to you i've been doing uh i've been doing a little bit of scoring myself awesome over the past couple of years cool so but it's like I, i've only done a few yeah yeah so i'd love so, to see what you sort of up with. looking looking for uh any inspiration i can get and any any insights i can get to to take my my own skills further there i just uh, cool did the music for a uh, tv show all about graffiti artists oh yeah and then i also did the score uh for uh, a short film, like documentary, short mm-hmm. documentary about a little girl in uh, Tibet. Cool. Nomadic, uh, lives in the hills and stuff, moves every season. So it's about Whoa. a six-minute short film Amazing. on that. Had to do the whole score. Very similar. I'm not, not horror-ish, but piano, mainly piano and strings. Yeah, awesome. It. I'd love yeah. to see that. That's great. My buddy, uh, my buddy Martin made it. He had to, he's, I think it's, it's the only footage you can see the only high quality footage you'll probably ever see of Tibet because really? cameras are like illegal there. He smuggled a camera in. No kidding. Yeah. Like he went in with a crew of five people. They all said they were tourists. Right. And they disassembled the camera and all brought in no like, a way. piece of the camera that was just looked like a non-functional nothing. That's And crazy. then they had to re- they rebuilt the camera. Wow. In the hotel room when they, when they got in. Crazy. And, uh, shot a documentary there. Oh my goodness. Should we even be talking about this right now? Um, <laughs> he's out of China now. Okay. So okay. yeah, yeah. He won't be extradited or anything, but okay, like it was, he had know. some, I, he had some close calls when he was there. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he Whoa. was very afraid for his life and freedom at certain points on, on that trip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, especially like, I mean, within the context of like, when, when did he shoot that? It was about, uh, two years ago. Okay. Two, three, two, two and a half years ago. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely like at the time when, you know, people were being. Oh yeah. Like, uh, af- like in the, in, with all this like Huawei 
yeah. stuff. Yeah, totally. People being arrested for espionage. Yeah, he was seeing like all those headlines like while, yeah, he, exactly. while he was there and yeah. stuff. Ooh. And like one one night they had the um like the police like bust down their hotel room door and search all their bags. Oh man. And stuff. And luckily they're like one of them stayed in a different room that night. Mm-hmm. And they gave like the hard drives and lenses and stuff to him. Yeah. So when they when the police came, they didn't they didn't find any of the stuff with the film crew because I guess they I don't they didn't know that one of them was in a different room Ooh. with all the stuff. Yeah. They, they were just convinced that they were going to get hauled hauled away and never heard from again. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. It's called the story of Pema. Okay. It's on YouTube. Oh yeah. Yep. The story okay. of Pema. That's awesome. I'll, yeah. I'll look that up. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a fun little piece. My my buddy Martin, he does, uh, he sort of works on, that's his second in a series where he, he goes around and, and profiles like uh, the last of sort of traditional, mm. traditionally living youth. Okay. Um, like he, wow. did a, he did a mini doc on uh, the eagle huntress, teenage eagle huntress in uh, Mongolia. Whoa. And then this one on uh, this girl, Pema, who, who rides like giant yaks across the mountains and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd love to see that. What, where else is he going to go? Um, he's, he does a lot of stuff in Africa. Okay. Um, right now, he, like, he actually ju- he called me today for the first time in months because he just got back cool. from Africa. Wow. Um, and he shoots like He works with a, a team in uh, Lua Conservancy which is mm. in, I think it's in Namib- Namibia. Okay. Um, and they are like, they're like an anti-poaching squad mm. and wildlife reserve. And he's big into that kind of stuff, National Geographic kind of stuff. When, 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 he's, when he's dealing with people, he's really focused on like youth and sort of these last pockets of remaining youth that are still like growing up in a centuries old ways. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, he's really into just wildlife, main, mainly African wildlife, but has done some stuff up like with polar bears and walruses and, and stuff. He's Incredible. always kind of globe trotting and oh, that's so I'll get, cool. I'll get texts from him like in the middle of the night that are like recordings of the lions growling outside his tent Whoa. and stuff. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's nuts. Yeah. I, it's been a long time since I've uh, since I've had like the opportunity to to travel, you know, to to places that are super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I that's something I've definitely missed over the last little while, and that's something that uh, I don't know. I, I haven't found a way to really in, you know incorporate into my music lifestyle because sometimes you know there's this side you'd kind of just want to like book as many things as possible and fill the schedule and like really kind of keep working you know there's like a desperation in a way to like kind of keep staying staying busy like Mm -hmm. there's a I I don't know it's it's easy to be like afraid of of downtime and afraid of kind of you know fallow seasons yeah totally um so sometimes Sometimes I get I get a little too busy sometimes and realize oh I haven't really done I haven't really had a vacation in mm-hmm. a while necessarily. It's important. You yeah. gotta just take some take some you time. Yeah. Sometimes leave the fiddle at home. Leave the fiddle at home. What a concept. Uh, yeah, I don't do that very often. You know, even when I go visit people, I'm usually bringing my fiddle. You should um, get a bike mount for your fiddle. Bike. Well, I mean, it goes on my back Doesn't, easily. Yeah. 
you know? So there's not necessarily a, a, a reason to to have it on the bike. I don't know. It's a very bike-friendly... For, for show? Yeah, that's true, hey? It's also nice to just feel like it's close. Yeah. Because, you know, it's fragile. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want it... I don't know. I, I'd be worried about it falling off somehow. I don't right. know. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the nice thing also. Like biking around Toronto with a fiddle was was something I was able to do very easily. Biking around Smith's Falls. Yeah, with the a small fiddle. instrument is nice like that. Yeah. I took up the mandolin for that reason. Ah. From, went from guitar to mandolin. Yeah. I don't do much on the mandolin other than just kind of chord it out. That's cool. But uh, it's nice to be able to chord it out on something so tiny. And yeah, po- so and easy portable. to carry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think people who play things like the piano you know also feel the same way i mean emeline uh she plays the accordion yeah and that was kind of part of why she started playing accordion she mm-hmm. was exception she's an amazing piano player you know um piano was her first instrument and and she's yeah an astounding piano player i believe it um but she started playing accordion because she figured oh it's just kind of like a portable piano which is kind of not true but also, there is a keyboard on it, yeah. you know? So she had a small leg up uh, in that respect. But, yeah, most of the hard things about the accordion are have nothing to do with the piano. Yeah. <laughs> but that was kind of, yeah, that was her philosophy when she got started. Cool. Yeah. Well, so you're still getting to know this town. Things are opening up. Yeah. What do you, what do you you've done a few things. You've done had a backyard things. concert. That's you've, right. You've, you've certainly biked around the town. Yeah. What are you, uh, what's on your, what's on your to-do list? What are you, what are you looking forward to in looking town? Looking forward to in town? Yeah. I mean, Events, I'm, I'm looking forward going to. Going to places you haven't gone to yet? Yeah. I mean, so Bree and I, you know, like Bree and I joined a gym here. We're at uh, Action Fitness. Nice. Um, we. Where's that one? That one is down on, on Brockville. It's in like... Oh, right. Mm, in the plaza there. In the first plaza. Yeah, like yeah. Not in the mall, in the in the plaza yeah. there by the Salvation yeah. Army. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, looking forward to going to Bowie's more and like yep. checking out more music and um, and looking forward to like we've we've explored some hiking in the area that's been Mm -hmm. that's been really nice um but just you know looking to also just continue to deepen our community you know meet more friends of friends like so far everyone we've we've made connections with here have, have been really amazing people and we've clicked super well with uh with a lot of folks like the density of uh yeah you know of awesome people to I, I don't know to 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 size of the town is is really awesome. I do I yeah, think really so. I, th- I think so very much. Really I wonderful mean, folks here. I lived I lived in Kitchener yeah. for like two years before coming here, mm-hmm. and living there was the first time we, me and Amber really sort of wanted to insert ourselves into a community, mm. you know, on a deep level. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. we had lived in Guelph before that and we were part of, we were definitely part of the scene okay. in Guelph. Yeah. But I didn't, never really felt like I was sort of community mm. oriented. I guess there's, yeah, there is a slight difference there, hey, in between like a scene and a, and a community in yeah. a way, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I, I just, I really admire how how deeply people are are digging into wanting to like start things and mm-hmm. 
and create opportunities for other people to to shine. Yeah. You know, the Arts Hub and Smith Falls Music being a classic example. I feel like people in this town, for the most part, have each other's backs. I think so. Yeah. A lot more than I've experienced in oh, other yeah? places. Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily because people like are like going out of their way to not have each other's backs in, mm-hmm. in other places I've been, but I think maybe it's just a size thing. Maybe. Yeah. You know, in, I was living in Kitchener as 300,000 people. You get, sure. everybody sort of gets lost in the mix and disconnected guess, yeah. and, and you can have like, I think there's many, you know, you, you get a bigger town like that, bigger city, you, you have many sort of sub communities. Right. That, that are going on as, as sure. opposed to sort of one kind of town yeah. community, which I, I think maybe that's the difference that I've felt here. Hmm. Right. Like you real there's this real, I I've noticed this real effort to want to support very actively the things yeah. that other people are doing because, because everybody kind of needs that. Yeah. And I think that's been, you know, definitely ramped up by mm. COVID. Yeah, sure. And, and the whole, of you know, shopping local, thinking yeah. local, acting local has, mm-hmm. has really kind of been reinforced Yeah, over the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we're looking forward to, to digging in more into that, you know, mm-hmm. and then in terms of, like kind of more professional things. I mean, I'm 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 teaching here at, at Smith Smalls Music, um, here in this building mm-hmm. that we are in, podcasting from, um, and then I've got a performance uh, that's going to be just a duo, me and Emmalyn, in September, um, with an organization called Harmony Concerts that operate throughout the Ottawa region. I um, think I've heard of them. Yeah, they yeah. they're kind of becoming a big deal. Like they they uh, they put on concerts at the Studio Theater in Perth. Hmm. That's one of their locations. Yep. And then another location that they put on concerts at is uh, at this winery in Morrisburg, uh, Stonecrop Acres. Okay. That uh, they they grow grapes and and make wine there and have made awesome wine for a few years now. And they have events there and. And this concert series is is one of the events they have there. So the Barrel Boys actually played there uh, a couple weeks ago, and then Emily and I are, are playing under the our duo name is Smith and Stam. So we're going to be playing uh, we're going to be playing there September nineteenth. It's a Sunday. Um, so if anyone was at the concert in our backyard or you know likes traditional music, you know they should uh, they should check that that out. How far is Morrisburg from here? Morrisburg is like 40 minutes. Yeah. You know? It's about what I thought. They like their music in Morrisburg. Yeah, definitely. I've I've gotten to know Morrisburg kind of well. Um, this band that I was talking about, Lisa Lisa Way and the Wayward Wind, the mm-hmm. theater band, yeah. has played there a ton. They have a nice little theater. The St. Uh, Lawrence Acoustic Stage? That's right. Yeah. Uh, the Upper Canada Playhouse is the, is the theater. Yeah. Um, and then the St. Lawrence Acoustic Stage runs... Yeah. In that theater. Is that still Sandra Whitworth running that? Ooh. I'm more... I don't know the St. Lawrence people yeah. uh, as well. Um, I've kind of reached out to them a little bit, but it's that's kind of the relationship there. Yeah. But I've performed as part of the Upper Canada Playhouse's theater season. Gotcha. Right, so these... The spectacles yeah. have been... Uh, have been part of that theater season. And so the artistic director there... Uh, Donnie is is the guy that I've I've gotten to know really well. Gotcha. Well, it's a nice theater. It's really nice. I like that theater a lot. Yeah, it's cool. 
it's unique. It's like shallow and, yeah. and wide. Yeah. It's a, it's like kind of a wacky place to yeah. play, but it is totally. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but this, yeah, this winery, that's, that's where our, our concert's going to be. It's going to be yeah. like a super nice vibe, like outdoor. Um, yeah. So if I can like promote one thing locally, yeah. it's, yeah, gonna, it's definitely You can promote be, more than one thing if you want. I think that's probably the most, um, that's probably the most relevant thing for me to, to promote that's coming up in the near future is yep. just, yeah, me and Emmeline Smith and Stam at the, at the winery in Morrisburg on September 19th. Really looking forward to that. And it's what time is that? Is that here. a daytime thing or a nighttime thing? That is going to be an evening thing. Evening thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can maybe put, I don't know, can we put like the website in the show notes or something? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, uh, realized i should have memorized it that's all right i record i record the intro and the outro later okay great i do it after perfect for this very reason hey well i have the ability to sort of reference maybe topics or or whatever come up think it think of think of smarter little hooks or segues put in at the beginning of the end can I can I like can I do that too? Can I like think of a, something smarter to say and like insert it and did various different points in the conversation? Well, you'll have to come back here and, and re re record it. <laughs> yeah, 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 but. exactly. Oh man, I got to tell you, I was so I was a little bit not so nervous. I was a little bit nervous coming into this, yeah. thinking like, man, what if I like forget someone's name? Yeah, who I know very well, you know, or. or like, what if I just like leave out some very important detail of of something? Or, well, you know? I mean, this is a long form thing. Sure, you know, I don't, I don't chop it down. I don't, I don't limit it to. So there's usually the room to get to everything, but we never get to everything. No, you there's can't. always you can't. There's, you can't. We could. There's a whole we, lifetime of. We things. could sit here and make this a four hour podcast if we wanted to, but I, I think that'd be pushing, yeah, pushing the limits of of the long format. Yeah, I think for so. most people, that's the extra long. But, uh, I mean, if we had, you know, it's also a podcast. It's not live, right? Right. So if we want to take a bathroom break or uh, get a freshen up our drinks or yeah. or if I need to yell at my dog. For example. Because she's bugging you. or <laughs> can, I can fix that. You can fix that. You know, I can fix whatever I want. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm largely just joking. I feel pretty comfortable with everything we've said. You but... know what? Everybody comes in a little nervous. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, they see the mics. They see the the headphones mm-hmm. and they think radio sure and that's i mean i've done radio it is definitely more nerve-wracking yeah because, i've done radio interviews in the past yeah, yeah it's i mean it's live it's it's crazy unless it's not unless it's pre-recorded but i think is radio, that really radio that's what i was just gonna say it's like is that real radio? i don't know I, wow. I mean it's broadcast over the airwaves you can definitely pre-record radio shows but sure brings it more into the podcast world i think True. I've thought about maybe doing a live podcast. Ah. Yeah. Like, I think I want to... Like live in front of an audience? Ooh, I didn't even think of that. I'd do it, sure. I'd try anything. What I need What I need before I can really explore doing any live version of this is a much more robust internet connection in this building. Right. It's uh, The speeds here are not good. They're okay for downloads, but the uploads are... Especially in this part of the building, because the Wi-Fi doesn't get through my like oh. thick walls very yeah, well back right. here in the studio. You need so, to be um, hardwired. Yeah, and then even then, I've tried being hardwired, and it's our, we have Bell Fibe here, but it's like the Bell Fibe that's not actually fiber optic. Like they, the lines don't. I don't know. Hmm. We'd have to pay some big upgrade fee to get like a custom like 
fiber optics box installed oh, on a post near us or something like that. But, wow. Which I'm ready to do at this point. Yeah. Because I've got blazing fast internet at my house. I could do a live broadcast from my house. Oh. I could definitely do a live broadcast from my house. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool. Right now, just keep it, keeping it audio-based. Yeah. Maybe we'll expand to adding video to mm-hmm. it. But then there's more nerves. Yeah, true. People got to worry about what they look like as soon as I turn the cameras on. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah cameras look, are funny like that, hey? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Can't, like, I find if you, if live radio might make somebody nervous. Sure, definitely. Um, you take the live element away and... I find the ner- the nerves, especially once I remind people, like like I'm just all right, like you paused or you flubbed or or you or you burped or or, or this, like I can cut it out. I yeah, can just cut right. it out. I'll listen through, and if it doesn't sound like something that needs to be there, I can cut it out. Yeah, I don't cut out a lot from the shows because usually the conver- conversations flow yeah. flow pretty well. But uh, as soon as you turn a camera on, uh-huh. people are looking at the camera. They're yeah, thinking right. about how they look. They think <laughs> a lot of people don't like to be in front of cameras. No. So for now, I'm just trying to keep it. Well, keep hey, it a little grassroots. If you if you ever you know need someone to be in front of a camera, I I kind of like being in front of a camera. Yeah. I don't know, like well, yeah. you know, like I said, I like I enjoy performing. You yeah. know, for better or for worse, whether I'm like an exceptional performer or not, I don't know. I've always just loved doing it. It can be fun. It can be yeah. real fun. Well, thanks for coming and performing on my show. Oh, my pleasure. Talking with me. Yeah, it's been a real treat. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah, thanks for coming out. And I, uh, I mean, anything else you want to say before we bid our audience adieu? Um, nothing that I can, nothing that I can really think of. And this is the moment where that I feel like, oh no, I've I've surely missed something. Um, right. But I think, I think for the moment, I've I've said everything that I uh, that I'd hoped to say. Well, that's good. That yeah. make, that makes me feel good. If people, it, you know, if people it check out, makes uh, me feel like we've covered. We've we've buttoned it up. We've, yeah, we've done a good job here. I think if 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 people are interested in uh, in the kinds of in the kind of music I'm making, you can like follow me on on social media yep. at uh, at Nathan on Fiddle is my uh, Instagram handle, mm-hmm. or um, my website is nathansmithmusic.net. Net. Um, and you can come down to the Arts Hub. You can come and, down to the Arts and Hub sign and sign up find... for fiddle lessons. That's right. Yeah. Or viola lessons? That's right. Yeah. I I have a viola I that I that I play sometimes, yeah. you know. Definitely less than I than I once did, but yeah, I mean, definitely people can learn viola for sure yeah. and should learn viola. Learn those inner harmonies. Yeah. I feel like I'd be maybe more adept at the viola than the violin. I got really big fat fingers. Well, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh my yeah, my violin teacher when I was a kid like huge hands. Yeah. He was a huge guy. Big hands do help for some of those Amazing reaches, right? Some of those Paganini, like Paganini hands. hands. Well, yeah, he didn't have Paganini hands, that's for sure. It was like sausage fingers, you know? He was right. like a farmer. Had yeah, like farmer right. hands. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, incredible violinist, hmm. you know? On these, like, tiny little strings, playing these, like, tiny intervals, and his fingers are all, like, kind of flopping all over each other, but, like, incredible. incredible right, because as musician. you mentioned, you, you don't really play a lot of chords, yeah. On the violin. That's what I have trouble with on the mandolin being so small, is playing mm. the chords and sure. my fat yes. fingers hitting more than one string. Like yeah, I it's feel very like compact. I, I want to get a mandolin with a slightly wider neck. Sure. To accommodate my wide fingers. I think you can find those. I'll start looking. Yeah. Good luck. Nathan on fiddle, folks. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. 
And that was my talk with Nathan Smith. And just as I promised him, I just wanted to share with you some of those web links and details that he uh, he wasn't necessarily remembering in the moment. You can check out Nathan on his website at nathansmithmusic.net. And you can check out his projects, The Barrel Boys, uh, his bluegrass band at uh, www.thebarrelboys.com. And his uh, quartet of uh, dance music. Uh, not the uns uns kind, but well, we talked about it. You heard. You're all the way here. You heard what they do. Vinta. Yes, that's Vinta, spelled V-I-N-T-A, like the first five letters of vintage. Vintamusic.com is the website to check them out. And one more big shout out to this episode's sponsors, Water and Rail, get your hoodies now at the Arts Hub, and Northwood Music, northwoodmusic.ca, find your new favorite musical act there now, do it. So I am going to leave you right now with a track that Nathan wrote and sang and played and released on his album. This song is called Marketplace. Enjoy. And it's bubbling away, becoming my bread for market day. Let it rest, let it rise. Every little good thing takes its time. Pick a little banjo while I wait. Wait for the bread on market day. Bread for the mothers, bread for the saints, and bread for the others. Bread for the young and the old and gray. It's busy down here on market day. Market day, that's when I see these southern hills have been good to me. Give a little smile and a loaf and a wave to the folks in line on market day. Let it rest, let it rise. Every little good thing takes its time. Pick a little bread on market day. Oh, let it rest, let it rise. Every little good thing takes 